0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good Sunday afternoon to everyone. It is Sunday, March the 6th, 2022. It is currently 4.02 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And we conclude another week of Bible study. I know technically yesterday was the last week, day of Bible study for last week. And today we are to introduce a new week of Bible study, but we're going to use this afternoon to end one week of Bible study. And then we'll turn right back around and go live again and introduce this week's Bible study because the end of my week was crazy crazy. I I was not able to come out here to the church and do anything, so we have to just use this Sunday afternoon to end one week of Bible study and then turn around and introduce a new week. Now, I cannot speak for all of you. I cannot. But for me, this last week's Bible study exercise, even though we did four messages on that Bible study exercise, I I'm here this Sunday afternoon and I have to just admit to you I just feel like I didn't get as much out of it as I should have. Now we 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 took the passage apart, we we outlined it. I mean, we we asked some tough questions, we tried to answer those questions. I mean, we we did a lot of work on it, but it just feels like that today looking back that There were too many distractions. I got distracted by this, and I had this to do, and I had this to do. And then I had sermons to prepare for for this morning. And it's just, I kind of feel like the the passage of scripture that we studied kind of got lost in the shuffle. And I always hate that feeling. I hate that feeling. But if you have not been with us, let me just tell you, last week we studied John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17 John chapter 13 verses 1 through 17. I'm not going to review everything that we talked about but I will do this I'm going to read the passage one more time because that's a great way to end the week of study is by reading the passage because you always know the assignment I give you at the beginning of the of the Bible study week which is read the passage over and 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 over again. Because that's such a key step in Bible study. But for the Bible study exercise, last week, we looked at John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. So if you can open a Bible, let's let's just consider what was written in this section of scripture. Here we go. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Verse 2, and supper being ended. The devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. Verse four, he raiseth from supper, laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. Verse five, after that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do now knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, he that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. and you are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garment and was set down, again to, uh, set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you. You call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I see unto you, the servant is not greater than than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know, if ye know these things, happy are ye if you do them. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Now, what we established as we looked at this passage this week is that this historical event, it actually occurred, Jesus actually wash washed the feet of his disciples. We believe it serves as a parable that it that it is pointing to some deeper spiritual realities than just washing feet. It's pointing to to a deeper cleaning other than just the cleaning of someone's feet. That there's something going on here. And we went through all of the different reasons that we think that. We think that the text offers some some very important clues. For example, when Jesus says, uh, Jesus answered and said unto them, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou will know hereafter. Now, that makes absolutely no sense in the narrative because... He's washing their feet to say, you don't know what I'm doing. Well, any person would be like, I know what you're doing. You're washing my feet because my feet are dirty. Clearly, Jesus is indicating you don't know what I do because you don't really understand it. You see me washing your feet, but you don't really understand what this is signifying. You don't really understand what I'm trying to demonstrate to you. So we believe this serves as a parable. And simply put, the initial part of the parable is very simple doesn't require a lot of time to work on it. John chapter 13, even though we spend a lot of time, it seems pretty straightforward. John chapter 13, verse four. He riseth from supper. Here is, in a sense, a picture of Jesus, the eternal son of God, sitting on the throne of glory, standing up, rising up, because he's getting ready to do something. He laid aside his garments. This is laying aside his glory, not his deity, but laying aside his glory, taking on the form of a servant, he took a towel. This is him taking upon human flesh, taking upon the form of a servant and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin. This is the idea we believe of him pouring out his blood because we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, right? Um, also, he brings his word to us, which is also uh, is cleanses us. But he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. So he begins to wipe their feet with the towel that he's girded. He washes us and cleanses us through the suffering that he endured in the flesh because the towel represents the flesh that he took on. And then if you jump down to verse 12, after he had washed their feet, he had taken his garments, so after Jesus, his incarnation, his suffering and death, while well, he ascends back to the Father, takes again the glory he had before the incarnation, and then he sits down again, and while well, he sits, he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. All of that pictures, the basically, him in glory past, the incarnation, his suffering and, and death in the flesh, Then his resurrection and ascension back to the Father, where he is seated at the right hand of the Father from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. It is all pictured. It's a beautiful picture. We worked through all of it. Then we spent some time looking at this very interesting back and forth between Peter and Jesus that we read in verse 6 to verse, let me see here. Well, really six to at least 14. And it's this use of the word wash, washed. And we saw that there are two Greek words used here. I don't have time to go back through all of this, but let me just read this section again to you. Starting in verse six. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? He, he, he's, he's absolutely, well, if you go back to uh, verse five is where the uh, the word wash is used the first time. And after he poured water into a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then he cometh to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Peter can't believe what is taking place. Jesus is doing the work of a servant, of a slave, and he's the eternal son of God. Peter cannot believe what is going on. Uh, So he said, you know, "Do, do you wash my feet? Jesus says, uh, what I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shall knowest no know hereafter. Peter says unto him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. So there's this back and forth. Jesus, like, hey, if if, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. And there's this back and forth. And Peter's like, wash all of me. Then Jesus do like, I don't, I don't need to wash all of you. There's this back and forth. It's very interesting. And we broke it down and demonstrated the difference in the Greek words that are used. So I'm going to go to a commentary here to kind of summarize basically what we've already discussed, but then to try to leave you with something very important to consider. All right. Now, I'm going to kind of end this week's Bible study exercise really with almost giving you something else to work on, which I know is a little unfair because we're getting ready to begin a new week of Bible study But I promise you, if you'll at least consider it, think about it. We will circle back to it, either on a Sunday night sermon, a Wednesday night sermon, we will circle back to it and really make that, we may do it as a separate study, or I just may make it as another part in this Bible study exercise, but I I, I guarantee you we'll circle back to it in some way. But let's, let's go to at least one commentary on this section so you can kind of understand what's going on. All right, here we go. John chapter 13, and uh, really starting in verse 5 and following. As Peter watched the Lord wash his friend's feet, he became more and more disturbed and could not understand what, what he was doing. As you read the life of Christ in the Gospels, you cannot help but notice how Peter often spoke impulsively out of his ignorance and had to be corrected by Jesus. Peter opposed Jesus going to the cross, Matthew 16, 21 through 23. He tried to manage our Lord's affairs at the transfiguration, Matthew 17, 1 through 8. He expressed the faith of the disciples, John chapter 6, verses 66 through 71, without realizing that one of the numbers was a traitor. The word translated wash, and John 13, 5 through 6, verse 8, verse 12, and verse 14 uh, is nipto and means to wash a part of the body. But the word translated washed in John 13, 10 is, let me see, I have to look it up. A luo, I believe it's luo. And it means to bathe all over. So the, 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 the word washed used in John 13, verses five to six, verse eight, verse 12 and verse 14 is nipto, and it means to wash a part of the body. But the word translated wash in John 13, 10 is luo and meaning to bathe all over. So one is to wash a part of the body. The other one is to wash all over. The distinction is important for Jesus was trying to teach his disciples the importance of a holy walk. We worked through all of the Greek words. We, we, I mean, it was tedious work. I even tried to confuse people a little bit on purpose, but... At, People figured it out, and I think we, we did a good job working on that. Now, here is kind of their application, and this is what I want you to pay attention to. When the sinner trusts the Savior, he is bathed all over, and his sins are washed away and forgiven. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11, Titus 3, 3-7, and Revelation 1-5. And their sins and iniquities will, will remember no more. Hebrews ten seventeen. However. As the believer walks in the world, it is, it is easy to become defiled. He does not need to be bathed all over again. He simply needs to have the defilement cleansed away. God promised to cleanse us when we confess our sins to him. 1 John one nine. But why is it so important that we keep our feet clean? Because if we are defiled, we cannot have communion with our Lord. If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me, John thirteen eight. The word wash, or the word translated, or, or, okay, let me read this again. If I wash thee, thou hast no part with me. The word translated part, uh, it carries the meaning here of participation. Having a share in someone or something. When God bathes us all over in salvation, he brings about our our union with Christ, and that is a settled relationship that cannot change. The verb wash in John 13, 10 is the perfect tense. It is settled once and for all. However, our communion with Christ depends on our keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. If we permit unconfessed sin in our lives, we hinder our walk with the Lord, and that is when we need to have our feet washed. The basic truth of the Christian living, the basic truth of Christian living, is beautifully illustrated in the Old Testament priesthood. When the priest was consecrated, he was bathed all over Exodus twenty nine four, and that experience was never repeated. However, during his daily ministry. He became defiled, so it is necessary that he wash his hands and feet at the brass laver and the courtyard, Exodus 30, verses 18 through 21. Only then could he enter the holy place and trim the lamps, eat the holy bread, or burn the incense. The Lord cleanses us through the blood of Christ. That is his work on the cross, 1 1 John 1, 5 through 10 and through the application of his word to our lives. Psalm 119, John 15, 3, Ephesians 5, 25 through 26. The water of the word can keep our hearts and minds clean so that we will avoid the pollutions of this world. But if we do sin, we have a loving advocate in glory who will hear our prayers and confession and forgive us. 1 John 2, 1 through 2. Peter did not understand what the Lord was doing. But instead of waiting for an explanation, he impulsively tried to tell the Lord what to do. There was a strong double negative in John 13, 8. All right. You shall by no means wash my feet. No, never. That's, that's how one could translate it. You shall never by no means wash my feet. No, never. Peter really meant it. That's when he discovered that to refuse the Lord would mean to lose the Lord's fellowship he went in the opposite direction and asked for a complete bath. We can learn an important lesson from Peter: don't question the Lord's will or work, and don't try to change it. He knows what he is doing. Peter had a difficult time accepting Christ's ministry to him because Peter was not yet ready to minister to the other disciples. Now they go on and add some more stuff, but that I, I don't want I don't want us to to deviate anywhere from this very important point. We have two washings here. The one washing is of the whole body. It's even used to describe the washing of a dead person. That is salvation. When we are washed because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we are cleansed. There's therefore now no condemnation. We are in Christ Jesus. We are eternally his. We only need that washing once. That happens in salvation. However, there's another washing we need, and we need it more than once. We need it over and over, and over. And that is a washing of just the hands and the feet. That is the washing that we need of the daily, con- the daily dirt that we pick up and living out our Christian lives and trying to live our lives out. The, 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 the daily contamination that we encounter. Now, the, so the first washing is That's that's completely a work of God. He does it. He washes us. He cleanses us. He saves us. It's all the work of God. The daily washing. We play a part in it to some level. And let me explain what I mean that we play a part in the daily washing. First, we have to acknowledge the the daily, you know, we we have to see how we are contaminated daily. We have to see the daily contamination that we encounter. We have to acknowledge it. We have to see it. We have to recognize it. We have to become sensitive to it. And that requires spending more and more time with God. Look, the more time you spend with God, the closer you draw to him, the more aware you will be of the contamination you pick up. So so this, this really is a whole cycle here that we need to understand. The closer we get to God, the more contamination we will see. The further we get from God, the more of our self-righteousness and our own holiness we begin to see and become comfortable with and almost proud about. The closer we get to God, the more we see of the contamination in us, and we will see the need to, to be cleansed. We will see it. Now, without that daily Without being cleansed of that daily, uh, that being contaminated, that daily contamination, without being cleansed from that, our closeness and fellowship with God begins to break down. Once that breaks down, we cannot see the contamination because we become further and further removed from God. And what we see is our own holiness and our own self-righteousness, which then this le- leads to a downward spiral for us spiritually. So let, let me try to explain this, all right? We could really try to break this down, but I really want you to think about it, okay? So here's the way it works. The closer you get to God, the more you will see your sin. You will see the daily contamination that you have picked up, the daily defilement. You will see it. You'll be convicted by it. You'll be broken by it, which then should drive you right back to God, to Christ for forgiveness to be washed. So the closer you get, the more you see, the more you see, the more you're driven back to Christ. That's kind of the circle, the way it's supposed to work. I get close to God. I see how messed up I really am. I see the daily contamination, the daily defilement. This drives me right back to Christ. So this this keeps me humble it keeps me connected to Christ. It keeps me drawing closer to Christ and I begin to advance spiritually. All right? But if it begins to break down, typically it breaks down this way. We stop being as close to Christ as we should. We become apathetic. We become complacent. We take Christ for granted. We, just, we get distracted by other things. We replace our love for Christ with the love of things. And once that starts happening... Sometimes it's very subtle. We stop seeing the defilement in our life. We become almost content. We almost become, well, self-satisfied and self-righteous. We, 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 it, we, it just it's the, it's the beginning of the end spiritually. We're, we're, we're going to find ourselves in trouble. We start thinking we're so good and we start condemning everyone else. Okay, then everything begins to break down as you lose that closeness to God, you don't see your sin, which therefore will drive you even further away from God. So all we can do is work to get close to God so that we see that defilement, then we confess and we go running back to God. But that's the way it works. We have to we have to make sure we're in the correct cycle there. Now, this is very important. This is very important. so we want to stay close to god but we also have to work on being daily washed daily a daily washing of our christian life and it it, it to me this text i mean I, I love the picture of the priest right the priest when they're when they're brought into from exodus from exodus 29 and exodus 30 when the priest was consecrated for the, for the priesthood he's bathed all over However, he, has to, he, has, he had to wash his hands and feet and the brass laver in the courtyard so that he could enter in and do ministry. So, so even though he had been completely cleaned, he has to do that daily washing, that, that washing so that he can enter in. So we have to ask ourselves, what does that daily washing look like in our Christian life? What does this look like? And I I know I I can just throw out some scriptures right here, but I want us to think about from the most practical, like I want us to be as practical as we can be. Like I can be, I can throw out some verses and everybody will be like, amen, that's how we're daily washed, but it just becomes verses we may memorize, verses we may know, but I don't know if it ever translates into anything meaningful in your life and my life. So let me ask you, what does your daily cleansing look like as a Christian? What does it look like to daily go through a spiritual cleansing, a spiritual shower to get rid of the daily defilement, the daily contamination that you pick up? Because if we don't get the daily cleansing, it it moves us further and further away from God. And if we get further and further away from God, then we become less aware of the defilement and the contamination that is upon us. So we, once this thing begins to break down, it's just a downward spiral, spiritually speaking. So what, is it, what does it look like? What does it look like? Well, I'm going to throw some ideas out here. All right? It seems that there are two basic concepts at work here. Scripture and Confession. Scripture and confession. Now, I can say scripture here, and people are like, amen. I read the Bible every day. Okay, I think just reading the Bible every day is good for knowledge, helps you retain what's there, helps you with your observational skills, which is very critical to Bible study and interpretation. I don't know, and I may even challenge, that just daily Bible reading may not give you the spiritual cleansing that you may think that it will. Because in many cases, you just read and move on. Just reading it, putting some of it in your mind, I don't think really works and moves you towards actual daily cleansing. Some may say Bible study. Okay, I think in some cases or a large portion of Bible study is about observing the text, observing the text, trying to figure out outline who who's speaking to whom are they speaking, timeline, background, and you do a lot of that kind of work. And if all your Bible study is really focuses on knowledge, it's great because we want to grow in our knowledge and that knowledge is critical. But I don't know if that will truly provide a spiritual cleansing. Some may say, well, memorizing scripture. Okay, I think memorizing scripture is obviously important and it may help to some level with cleansing, but in some ways, memorizing scripture is more about trying to keep you from sin than I think necessarily cleansing you from it. The Bible does speak of the washing that comes from God's word. I do believe it washes us, but I believe there is a specific way we have to approach the text in order to truly be washed. And that is application. We do a lot of observation and and Bible study where we observe the text, the who, what, where, when, why, trying to understand that. We do a lot of interpretation, trying to understand what it means by what it says. Okay, great. Sometimes I don't know how much work is actually done and application where you take the text and truly consider it after you've figured out who, I mean, you got to figure out all of the facts about the text, but after you've figured out all the facts about the text and you've observed it correctly and you've interpreted it correctly, you need to sit down and say, okay, how does this apply to me? And what am I going to do in regards to it? Sometimes this crucial step is, is completely left out. And I've said this for, it seems like, my whole Christian life. It, think about it. Observation plus interpretation without application equals abortion. Observing the text, interpreting the text, but not applying the text, aborts the text from conceiving and giving birth to actual change actual cleansing of your life you can you can observe and you can interpret and you can become smarter you can be more theologically sound you can remove biblical illiteracy and doctrinal illiteracy and you become smart you become grounded you're wonderful you're great but that will not necessarily give rise to true, deep, heartfelt change. Cleansing those things, uh, that that contamination and that defilement. The only way to cleanse the defilement, the only way to cleanse the contamination is where you take the text and in a process of application, you begin to truly apply it to you. Then the text You go from aborting the text from producing or giving birth to change to now working that the text actually does something in your life. Now, there is an entire method of Bible study called the devotional method of Bible study where the entire focus is on application. Now, at this point, I'm not going to go through this. I almost feel like I should, but I'm going to I'm just going to try to spark a conversation, at least at the end of or the beginning of this new week in regards to this. When I when I look at the Bible. Right. And I look at the text. Yeah. I, the first thing I figure out is who it's about, who it's to. It's not about me at the beginning. It's about the text, who, what, where, when and how. Then once I've figured all of that out, I've observed it and I've interpreted it. Then I've got to stop and go, okay, now what am I to do because of it? After you've studied a text of scripture, what are you to do as a result of it? The text of scripture wants it to lead to action, to change. If you don't stop and write out what should you do what are you going to do in light of the passage of Scripture? I don't know if it really cleanses anything. It just it just may cover up the cont- the contamination and the defilement with a robe of self righteousness, where you feel satisfied because you did some Bible study. You got to spend the time asking, "What am I going to do about this? What am I to do as a result of it?" I've talked about this in, in light of preaching as well. God's word is preached. A lot of people sit in churches. Millions of people sit in churches. They hear the sermon. When they leave, very, 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 very few. I, to, I, have, I think the number is so small that would be absolutely shocking and embarrassing. But I will and maybe I'm wrong to say this number. But I bet you it's in the 90 percentile, high, maybe over 95 percent that most Christians who go to church never go home, sit down, take the notes to the sermon or re-listen to the sermon again and say, what am I to do based off what was preached today? What, how can this be applied to your life? That application is the spiritual bath. And that application, observation Interpretation with application gives birth to change. It gives birth to transformation. But it requires the effort of actually applying it. If, if all we do is listen to sermons and we don't stop to go, okay, what, what am I to do based off what I just learned? And you do nothing. Yes, yeah, it's still wonderful that you listen to the sermon because you're still growing And the knowledge, that's wonderful. You're still growing in your understanding. The the danger is you're aborting the text from producing change in your life. And typically the end result of that will be spiritual arrogance and pride. We have to get, we have to become proficient at application. When we stop and look at the text and go, okay, what's here in this text? What is in this text and how can I apply it? Main what are you to do as a result of the text? That that's just I'm just gonna give you a simple question to ask yourself. What are you to do the result of that text? What were you what are you to do based off the text that was preached to you today in church? What are you to do based off that? What can you do? What should you do? There has to be some kind of application or the scriptures. Think of it this way. You need to translate or think of it this way. You need to see an incarnation take place where the word that's on the page is incarnated. It is moved from the word to your flesh. It's now in you. It begins to manifest itself. It begins to to reveal itself working in you. But if you don't, I mean, this doesn't just happen by accident, it requires work, time, and effort. There's application. The second thing I think is confession. And I think this goes hand in hand with application. If I'm really considering what am I to do with this text? what Sometimes what you're to do with the text is you, it, you just acknowledge your sin. You acknowledge where you fall short and you go to confession application leads to confession. Application leads to confession which should lead to a cleansing and a change. You need application and need you need confession. you need application and confession. How are you in confessing your sins? And when you say confess your sins, I'm not talking in some generic way at the end of the day. You're like, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. I'm saying, Lord, here are the sins I committed. Naming them by name. Being honest. Sometimes you're like, Lord, I know it's a sin, but I struggled with it today. And I know I'm going to struggle with it tomorrow. It just being brutally honest with God about the sin. You need application of scripture And you need confession of sin, weaknesses, struggles, motivation. You just got to lay it all out before God. I will think, I will argue that most Christians do very little work on application. And many never truly confess their sins in a meaningful way other than a very generic way. Like, Lord, forgive me for all my sins. That's where I'm going to leave this. God washes us completely. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. He washes that dead body and we are brought into relationship with God. We are saved. We are set apart for God's purpose. We are washed. We are cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the first, I mean, that's the first washing mentioned here in John 13. But there's another washing and it's the daily washing of the hands and the feet. And we all need this because daily we pick up contamination and defilement. And this, this cleansing, this washing occurs through the application of God's word and confession. That's what I want you to consider. There's more I could say, but that's what I want you to consider. Yeah, I'm going to stop right there. Okay, now, some of you may not know the devotional method of Bible study. Some may not even know that method of application. If you do not know it and you would like me to teach it to you, just email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, and I will teach you the steps so that you can start working. But right now, it's just a, a basic question. What am I supposed to do based off this text? What am I to do? Sometimes it's going to, one of the things that may lead you to do is to confess your sins before God because you're going to be convicted by it. Sometimes it's going to require a a specific action to follow or an example to follow or an example to avoid. I'm already kind of giving away the uh, devotional method, but you get the idea. All right. That concludes last week's Bible study exercise. We will introduce New week of Bible study exercise here soon. All right. I'm, I'm just gonna, I feel like I should say more. I, I'm telling you, I oh, there's just so much we did not get to. But there you have it. There you have it. All right. And just so that I'm going to make sure I had the right, uh, ne- uh, the two Greek words, nipto, there's no problem. Uh, maybe I may have said nepto, but nipto. There's no problem with that one. And I think the other Greek word, I think it's John 13, 10. I got to look it up really quick. John 13, 10. I think it's Luo. I think it is. John 13, 10. I don't know why I don't have it in my notes. John 13, 10. Where? Let's see here. Where's the blue letter Bible app? Where is it? Here it is. John 13. Now here's verse 10. I'm almost positive. It is, let's see. Yeah, here's washed. Yeah, it's Luo. Luo. It's Luo. Strong's G three thousand sixty eight. Luo. Luo. Oh, Luo. Luo. I guess Luo is Luo. Okay, but you get the idea. Uh, Luo. Luo. All right, there you have it. I just stress the lu and the o. I think it's lu. Luo. Luo. Kind of. Yeah, I'm just trying to be as accurate as that can be. So I'm sorry I didn't have that Greek word written down, but there you have it. Nepto and luo. There you have it. Those are the two Greek words. One refers to washing all over, washing a dead body. And the other one just seems as if washing the hands, the feet, just, just that. And that difference in the text demonstrates this. We have been washed in salvation, but we need daily cleansing. And I think that comes through application and confession. All right, you can email me your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day. God bless.